1: Just a quick note up front. This podcast was recorded before Christmas, but due to festive commitments, I wasn't able to get to editing it together till just recently. Um, So bear that in mind when you're listening. Enjoy.
0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.
2: Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews,
0: columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: We'll
2: To the latest uh, Brit restaurant Roundtable, uh, we had the Britties last week, um, so I thought we were going to end up with like a relatively short show here, and like towards the end of the year, things would get a little bit uh, uh, less frenetic in the in the UK scene. And then Triple H
1: turned up, <laughs> <laughs> rolled into town, rolled, made sure that December would be very busy indeed.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, there's an awful lot of shows already that we had kind of lined up that we were going to just kind of quickly do and get through these shows uh, a little quicker because it's Christmas and people are busy. But uh, yeah, yeah, Triple H just kind of turned up, (laughs) did a press conference and announced that uh, there's going to be a WWE uh, UK champion crowned in January. Uh, Hi, I'm Arnold Furious and with me is Oliver Kors.
1: Hello, and we're going straight in. I like this Um, because we both have, you know, we both have a lot of opinions about this. Uh, Triple H turning up and taking his mark pick with Trent Seven and Pete Dunn. Yeah, (laughs) he's the now infamous. He's come in in. as the
2: fourth guy on the Euro draft and uh, he started picking his guys. Some of them are people I kind of expected to be in there based on. Um, like what it is, it, this is really weird to me. This whole thing is weird. Um, I didn't know it was coming, although promoters did. Uh, promoters were given notice. Um,
1: well, it's been part of progress storyline, yeah, <laughs> before we ab- even knew about it. Absolutely,
2: and all the promos that have been recorded by British Strongstar were very much connected to this, they knew about it beforehand. Um, did you notice that Pete Dunne and Trent Seven were wearing the same gear at the um the press conference that they were wearing in the video?
1: Yes. <laughs> but with their like, little dicky bows and
2: <laughs> Yeah, with like a little, little bit tidied up, but they were basically wearing the same stuff because they knew this was coming. Um what culture uh have basically changed a lot of their booking based on this tournament happening. I don't know if you noticed, but they had Joe Connors drop the title. The match where they had like mustache mountain where it looked like they were going to be uh, winning the tag titles didn't. And like all the guys that they had involved in this, they've all just scaled back a little bit. So I think they're, they're worried. I think progress are less worried and the reason for that is the a lot of promotions were name dropped at the start, and the ones that were name dropped are the ones that looked like they've been embraced by WWE. Yeah, well, like they're, they're happy to work with Rev Pro. They're happy to work with Progress, OTT, uh, even uh, ICW. They seem to have no problem with that.
1: It's because but, those promotions don't have any plans of evolving on t- into a TV platform or onto youtube where they are direct competitors with uh wwe but what culture obviously growing at an exponential rate and then of course the reason why this is happening uh itv bringing back world of sport even just for a one-off special was enough to get the alarm bells ringing in titan towers that they needed to lock up some guys
2: yeah vince don't like that the idea of competition and uh, the uk (laughs) is a big market for them there's a lot of money in the uk and um Having ITV do World of Sport, potentially that could have been a, a, a real threat because they're in uh, they're on free TV, uh, WDB hidden away yeah. on Sky. Um, not everyone has access to that. Whereas World of Sport would be f- available to everybody. Um, had it become a, a regular thing, and it might do still, um, it could turn some of the Rest guys into household names. And that would be a
1: legitimate threat. And there's been a lot of talk about the contract situation with these guys. They're not going to be under full time WWE contract. They can work elsewhere at least while the tournament is going on, and after that, they may try and sign up some people. It looks. so um,
2: um, from what I hear, WWE are going to run thirty shows next year <laughs> in the UK using UK talent. That's wow. that's no small move. That is a we're going to move in and yeah. run shows uh, with the UK as a base, which is...
1: So they're telling guys to maybe another... think twice about signing for ITV?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, uh, th- there are certain people who are, who are never, ever going to get uh, a WWE deal, and I'm sure that they're completely fine with this they're the guys that who ITV are gonna kind of be able to build around. I'm thinking Char Samuels, I'm thinking El Liguero. WWE are not gonna be interested in those guys. So um that it's not the end of the experiment for ITV, but they they're gonna find it very difficult um to book shows when they can't get to... Uh, mm. A chunk of the of the guys involved, because there's always this this chance for them to get a, a foot in the door with WWE, and that's a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. People are going yeah. to be reluctant to go and work for ITV, but then you get on TV, it's it could be a whole different thing, a whole different ball game for you. I mean, this this whole situation could be a, a real um, career making opportunity for any number of guys, either that are on ITV. Uh, when their uh, World of Sports show airs, which I'm told is New Year's Day, I think.
1: Yes, and New Year's Eve, I forget.
2: I keep hearing both, but I think it's New Year's uh, Day. It might
1: be, might be two episodes, I don't know.
2: Um, so that's that could be potentially a, a huge opportunity for somebody. And now with WWE coming along and having the UK Championship, you've got another load of guys who have now got the opportunity to wrestle on uh, the network. In a month, it, it's it is
1: it's, it's a huge idea. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Looking at the the guys that they've selected, at least to start with, presumably the goal will be to uh, you know entice more names in uh, after the tournament. But this is like there's an original lineup of eighteen. 18's an odd number for a tournament, so I don't know if there's a couple of alternates. I think in there. there's
2: a couple of qualifying matches that they're going to have. Ah, okay, um, and I don't know if those are matches that they're going to want to have. Uh, Between now and then, like before the tournament starts, they might have a couple of, like a one in ICW or something. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, But it's an interesting mix of guys. You've got, um, like, big name guys Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, say Wolfgang, he's a big name in ICW. Uh, Joe Connors, uh, big name in WCPW and Southside. Uh, You've got young guys uh, who very much could break out big time, like Dan Maloney, Jordan Devlin, Jordan Devlin yeah. uh, Roy Johnson. Uh, you got guys like T-Bone and um, James Drake, you know, proper veterans. And you've just got complete unknowns, like um, H.C. Dyer, formerly known as The Pledge, uh, Jack Stars.
2: Jack Stars <laughs> is really
1: good. <laughs> I, I'd never heard of him before now.
2: Jack Stars, yeah, I- he could turn a couple of heads in this, uh, and look, this is what I'm saying. It, like this is a great opportunity for some of these guys who are not well known um, to not only uh, get um, like their foot in the door with WWE, but to get noticed by like some of the other uh, top indie promotions. Because you know full well if, if somebody's in this thing, and then WWE decide they're not probably not going to use them, they're going to get snapped up by uh, by what culture, by ICW, they're going to get work.
1: This will be a great um, base to build off of for guys in this tournament, even if they're just in it for one match. Like you see with Fabian Eichner, he's getting booked everywhere now um, because he got that launching pad um, in the CWC. Uh, So, you know, guys like Saxton Hurley. I've been doing, doing a little bit of research on the unknowns. Saxton Hurley, a guy pretty much exclusively wrestles in the North for... Promotions we've never heard of, (laughs) Um, Mm. but like when he was standing up there, he was the biggest guy ever. So WWE might well have an eye on him um, because of just his size. It's
2: well, they they um, haven't just picked these names out of a hat. They will have looked at all these guys. They will have seen them all work. Um, Regal has eyes and ears everywhere, so he'll he'll have got reports on these guys. Robbie Brookside knows the UK scene quite well. Um, These are guys that they've been watching. And even though a lot of them are just in there to be first round fodder uh, for guys that they really want to push, the fact that they're in there at all, uh, it's a chance. I mean, you look at um, uh, Aria Davari; he's on uh, he was on <laughs> RAW last week, and he was basically he's just more, making up had the more numbers guy, than
1: basically any other cruiserweight.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he was in uh, CWC; he was like a making up the numbers guy. So imagine like one of the guys here, like uh, like. Uh, uh, Chris Tyler who's who's quite talented a uh, decent flyer if he really catches somebody's eye like with, with a first round match even if he's losing you never know where, where that might lead it's a it's a fantastic mm. opportunity i'm really pleased for all the guys that have got a, a chance here especially the guys that we're really fond of uh, like Trent 7 um, it's a great chance for them to show what they can do. And having uh, Trent Seven was cut. Uh, the promo that he cut, part of it was actually on the roadblock end of the line pay per view. It's <laughs> actually on the pay per view. There's Trent Seven on on the pay per view, and like to, to see something like that. I mean. 2016 has been an absolutely ridiculous year for professional wrestling. It really has. Uh, The things that we've seen are just completely mind blowing. Uh, But even now, it's like you you see something like that, and it's just, where's this come from? Even a month ago, I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen. And they they already had it planned a month ago.
1: It is, um, like, my first reaction to seeing, you know, Trent and Pete up there was, um,. You know, I was a little bit uh, cautious about, you know, throwing the praises to the Lord Triple H mm-hmm. um, immediately well, because yeah, I was I was kind of worried about bit of a little um, bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a of a of a of a Will that happen here? Will it be another cruiserweight situation where it's just a weird byproduct after the initial hot tournament, and it just Uh, turns into with the cruisers something very strange?
2: They're kind of done the whole. They kind of went in with both feet there, and this could be a bonus for these guys because they, I think, they've learned from that that you can't just go and sign up a load of guys and just have them uh, wrestle um, for five minutes on Raw and they'll get over because they won't um the the lesson that they've learned from from the cruiserweight classic looks to be to just do it completely differently and i don't think we're going to see any of these guys wrestling on raw anytime soon maybe if uh, there's one in the uk i think this is going to be a standalone thing it'll be on the network you can watch it if you want but they might nudge you towards it but um, they're basically they nudge people towards any content on the network even if they're a little holy foldy, or the uh, camp wwe so it's mm-hmm. it just just because it's there doesn't mean they're gonna like shove it down people's throats and that could work in our favor because we might get the kind of wrestling we want
1: so is this more of a, an nXt type of show you're thinking like a, a studio show for Brit guys as sort of like a rival promotion almost to Progress and Rev Pro, etc. Setting
2: up territories, aren't they? Yeah, that's what it looks like. And this could be the experimental first one. In a way, that's kind of terrifying because if they start doing <laughs> this everywhere Global and start domination. people off, yeah. Um, clearly they want to work with existing indies. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't have seen uh, Finn Balor uh, stroll out in uh, in OTT over the weekend. Um their
1: best buddies with Progress already,
2: and um, yeah, are pals with Progress because of the, the Smallman link. Um, they get, get along fine with RevPro and, and even ICW. They get along fine with these promotions. It's not going to be a threat to them. So I don't think... People are saying, like, oh, the, the indie scene's going to die because of this. It, it's going to be a challenge, but the reason why uh, WWE have decided to book shows like this in the UK is because the scene is very strong and the demand is there for it, which is why it's sold yeah. out in, like, a day or whatever.
1: It does kind of limit the upward mobility of the other indies, though, because they're sort of saying that you can be a good little indie and run your thing and do your thing, but if you try and expand into YouTube or iPay-Per-View or even onto TV, we're going to shut you down and (laughs) stop you having fun.
2: Do do any of the current uh, UK indie promotions, with the possible exception of What Culture, are any of those really looking at doing that?
1: Well, pop I mean, culture for one, um, and world of sport. I get that world of sport isn't an indie, but
2: yeah, it's it's on TV. Like it's sort of, on it's TV sort of saying you can
1: indie. do this and that and the other, but not what we do. You can exist to feed us talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry for being cynical, but
2: oh no! But do you think any of the promotions in the UK have that ambition that they want to be a? Uh, could you argue for for ICW that they would want to be that? Certainly For ICW,
1: I would say definitely they would want to try and expand into TV. I think they already have sort of a regional TV show, and Progressive said that if the opportunity was there, they would take it. And this is kind of just shutting down the opportunity. I'm thinking yeah. like five, ten years in the future.
2: Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, um, it's very much a, a WWE trying to control the scene. So in a, in a way, it's negative. There, there are negatives and positives to any situation, and uh, it's it's very it's very hard to analyse this until you see what it is. Mm. And if they come over here, do the two shows, and they're great shows, then you know maybe I'll be more on board with it. But the idea of running thirty shows, it to, to me, that's a lot of shows. If that has said ten then I, I probably could have looked at it and gone, well, that's, that's fair enough. It's fairly spread out. There'll probably be in twos. So you've got like five weekends out of the year where you, you're drawing fans to that. Uh, if they start running uh, shows on the same day as uh, promotions, um, like say they ran at the same time as, as Global Wars this year, w- would that hit that that house, do you think? Or well,
1: they're, they're running this tournament opposite the Birmingham Progress.
2: Yeah, that show's sold out already, though, isn't it?
1: Yes, but uh, you know, without Pete Dunne, the hometown guy, there will it, like it's not going to be the same show it could have been.
2: Yeah, I, I'm thinking in the very short was, term because they will have preferential dates as well. It's because uh, WWE can basically tell them what promotions they can't work for, so all of the guys that they've got there, they if they've got a show and the WWE has booked like one of their UK shows on the same date, that's the show they have to work. Yeah. Which is a, a worrying situation, because that could affect any number of long-term booking plans. And the great thing about the UK indies is they do have long-term booking plans, whereas I think you start looking at the US indies, they're <laughs> not sure how well organized they are in the long run. I mean, even Ring of Honor. Well, I mean, they
1: WWE. WWE book the day of the hour of
2: well not necessarily all the big storyline arcs and stuff that a lot of it's it is planned out uh, whether they stick to the plan or not is uh, debatable um but yeah i mean progress i'm sure book months in advance so yeah. if all of a sudden you had a show clashing with say say wwe run one of these shows at the same time as brixton this year that could have a, a massive impact upon upon their booking, but they are kind of letting w, uh, WWE are kind of letting uh, uh, the indies know what's going on, so hopefully they'll give them enough mm. notice to what the dates are going to be, so that they can plan around it.
1: It's dangerous doing a deal with the devil, though. So... It is. I mean, there's not a lot you can do about it. You can't stop WWE from doing what they do. Well, no, but... I think
2: you're probably better off being in bed <laughs> with them than not.
1: It's like it's like a real life version of like the Austin McMahon feud from the nineties. Right? <laughs> can either join me or fight me?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I can see certain individuals getting a lot of heat um, as heels, uh, especially in progress. Uh, like Pete Dunne, I think is going to get a shit ton of heat. Yeah, for uh, for working this. Over working for progress, which it is, because he will be working there instead of working for progress. So I think at unboxing live, I think he's going to get a load of heat because he's blatantly chosen WWE over progress, and people won't take likely to that, especially that he's the champion. It's not that we don't want them uh, to have these opportunities. I'm I'm really happy for all of them getting these opportunities, yeah. but. Um, yeah, it's what it does to the indie scene. And you can't tell until it, until it's underway, but WWE don't have a very good record of cooperating with people. I hope this could be the good uh, start of um, uh, a change in their mentality. They certainly changed uh, over the past year with regards to Evolve. Um, so who knows? It, it could turn out to be a really good situation for, for the indies that are, are involved in this.
1: Yeah, 2017 is going to be... It's going to be interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> WWE are now in our sandbox. They're in our playground. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> What's here. What's going to
2: happen? And they are big boys who... They don't... With what they've got here, let me just review what they're doing. So it's, they're running 30 shows next year, is what I've heard. Um... They have first pick on the dates. So if they're running the same day as Fear and Loathing and they've got Wolfgang, then they're going to use him. Same goes for uh, Trent Seven. It's like an ICW will not be able to do anything about that. That could potentially cause some issues. And I think because they know what guys are involved the promotions can stop that being an issue now with their booking going forward. But I would hate to see, um, like Trent and, and uh, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate not get the bookings in, uh, in progress anymore because of the whole WWE thing. If they started getting phased out because of it, that would be unfortunate. They are a big part of that promotion.
1: Yeah. It's, it's something we're going to keep an eye out on definitely as we enter the new year. I think when you look
2: at uh, you look at what culture, you look at their booking over the last month from the point where they found out what was going on up until the announcement. There's a very definite trend in there where they've they've removed people from storylines or <laughs> yeah. scaled them back because they know it's going to be an issue. It might not be an issue yet, but it will be an issue, so they're preparing for that. And I think that's the case for for every promotion. I'm hoping progress can make a bigger story out of it. we having the having the champion. I know uh, ICW's champion is also there, but I think with the the angle that they've got going, with Pete having just won the title and said it's a it's a platform going forward to be uh, something more important. The storyline that they do could be
1: good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there with him signing the contract on his belt. And... <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what happens at unboxing because um, that will set the trend for what happens going forward. And we were talking about the winter of end. It looks like it's the spring of done. <laughs> Possibly. I look forward to it. But yeah, it's it's a difficult situation to predict what what's going to happen. They might get bored after six months. It might not draw enough money for him. They might get completely bored with it and just pull out.
1: Mm, that's that's always a possibility when you're talking about Vince.
2: He might just give up on it, because he has given up on loads of things before, <laughs> or just kind of shunted <laughs> it into the background and let it quietly die. That That's what he does. He gets a new toy, is and this... he's all excited about it, and then he just gets bored.
1: Is this going to be the XFL, or is this going to be WWE films where they just belligerently keep going with it? <laughs> uh...
2: Yeah, he doesn't like to be proven wrong, but if it's not his idea in the first place, then... (laughs) Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But it's a very big announcement. It's going to have huge ramifications for all promotions next year. So it is all-encompassing. It includes all the promotions in the UK and, well, even uh, extending to uh, Europe as well. It's going to have uh, uh, far-reaching implications. Um, So we'll be keeping tabs on that and see what happens.
1: And uh, Um, WWE, if you want to co-opt us. Uh, <laughs> we're open to discussion <laughs> need, need that money <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes here's me kind of anxious. I will sell out you know. and be your cheerleader for <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I I won't I can't do it I, <laughs> I, I've had certain offers and I this is not related to WWE and I'm not going to name what it is, but I've had offers to do things and I haven't been able to do them because I can't shill. It's like, yeah. if, I, if I'm if i not completely in love with something, I can't do it. I just, fuck it. So I've remained uh, neutral and poor.
1: <laughs> A mobile pursuit.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What can you do?
1: <laughs> Another thing that we're very excited about next year, Kota motherfucking Abushi is uh... coming to the UK. Have you got your ticket already? I do not. i to get on. Are, that.
2: They're on sale. I might have already <laughs> bought a ticket.
1: <laughs> it. He's he's coming. He's coming to Colchester. He's coming to XWA, and that's such an Okotobushi move. To like go to a place that, uh, you know, a few people have heard of, but it's not like a big promotion or anything. And I, come with his best buddy as well.
2: Yeah. Go to a house. He doesn't. He doesn't
1: play well with other children.
2: I, I like that. Um. Uh, Dan Reed, who is the the promoter for um, for XWA, uh, he kind of stuck his neck out doing the whole Manami Toyota appearance. Like, I was pissed that I couldn't go to that because I I was working. I, I'd booked off days either side of that show, and I got <laughs> told I couldn't have that day off, so I couldn't go to see Manami Toyota, which was upsetting to me. Um, but yeah, I was uh, fair play to him. He's he's gone and booked something uh, that that Nobody else is in a position to, or maybe they are, and they just can't afford it. I I don't know, but it it should be uh, it should be a good show. I like the- yeah. XWA is kind <laughs> of um that they book kind of PCWE kind of guys, so y- you'll have weirdness like uh maybe Paul London or uh, X Park or something going on as well as this. Uh, it'll be um. Different. I like different. So um yeah.
1: is very different.
2: Yeah, it apparently he said it's going to be insane. This was his direct <laughs> quote to, to the um what he's planning on doing with to Ahashi he said is gonna be insane. I can so, only imagine. Can can he in...
1: get a blow up doll through customs? Mm-hmm. I wonder. So you can get one from here. Um
2: <laughs> it's I've put it down in my calendar. So, I basically had to get a calendar for all the wrestling shows that's going on <laughs> in the UK because I can't keep track of them.
1: It's Is a it ridiculous... a WWE calendar?
2: Uh, no, it's uh, the Ringside uh, Perspectives calendar.
1: Ah, even better.
2: So um, it's it's a Britwrest calendar full of British wrestling. Well, it's not full of it yet, but it will be. There's, there's quite a lot of dates for January that I'm going to already. So, yeah. I, okay, let's, um, let's move <laughs> on. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a listener question. Um, I don't know who it was from because this was passed on to us by Rob, but uh, he just said it's a listener question. And it's quite a long one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out. Are you guys concerned about the lack of roster depth on the face side for progress? Uh, they lost their biggest three faces in a matter of weeks. Uh, Tommy End, uh, Jack Gallagher, and Mark Haskins. Uh, Osprey and Sabre are part-timers Morgan Webster's injured uh, Coffee has had quite a few disappointing performances in big spots like the Atlas Finals Eva and Moser haven't worked out like they probably imagined at this point Havoc is pretty much their only main event face and he's tied up with Skull. or he was at the time uh, who is going to be Dunn's main babyface rival in my opinion Fabian Eichner is 100% the guy you've got to build up over the next year or do you go with Havoc And with South Pacific Power Trio as the number one contenders for the tag titles, do they turn face?
1: Uh, Well, to answer that last question, the tag titles are being held in abeyance. Abeyance getting another title run in his esteemed career. Um, Because uh, storyline progress management are pissed that British Strong Style are handing the title belts around, like pass for parcel. So they're going to take them away from them. Which handily gets rid of the problem of um, having the power trippers, your number one contenders, to a heel tag team. Champions.
2: Okay, so that's that part of it out of the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, so the big concern, no um, main event baby faces apart from Jimmy Havoc. They seem to have solved this mainly through imports at the moment. Yeah. Um, with Zack Saber being brought in for Chapter 40. And presumably, if there is a title match on Unboxing Live, that will be an import, either from uh, from somewhere else in the UK or from overseas. Um, so at the moment, the short-term solution is to just bring other people in. Uh, Fabian Eichner is a good shout.
1: But kind of also an import.
2: Kind of, but he's European. So I always kind of look at European guys and think, well, that it's not so much of an invasion into Brit rest as it is to, to bring in yeah, yeah. somebody from a, a, like a more mainstream area like America or, or Japan. It's like we're part of the same territory. So I think they, they look at European guys as being part of the same um, region, maybe a, a regional push. Of course, but I no- could always disappear to WWE again. I'd,
1: yeah. <laughs> homegrown faces is probably an issue they've got going on right now uh you could always say fsu maybe they could plug them in as a stopgap at the top
2: uh, well andrews has had um a title shot recently i forget when that was but it's it's been within the last six months
1: yeah chapter 35 um and after that there's really not a lot of depth uh the power trip, you could say that Travis Banks could eventually turn face. They've sort of been teasing dissension in them, but not as much as like with the origin, where it's pretty obvious. So El Ligera and Dave Mastiff have pretty much turned face now, and it's only a matter of time before the origin splits, unless that's all a big red herring.
2: Yeah, I guess we'll be talking about that when we uh, we dip into Progress Chapter 40. Um, so yeah, we're, we're basically saying we don't know. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> at the moment it's kind of tough to, to pick someone out uh, from... and also
1: Jimmy Havoc as the top face I'm not loving that I'm not that.
2: sold um, really? I, although it looks like he's probably going to get a title shot at some point but I, don't, I can't see him winning I think they'll probably move on to somebody else
1: and the fact that their champion is now working for WWE uh, means that they're not going to have too many title matches anyway so they don't need too many top contenders
2: um but then you can pretty much put anyone in there with him who hasn't signed that that WWE deal and the yeah. crowd <laughs> will treat them as the face. Yeah. So it, it, if anything that they they're not limited at all. <laughs> you can just literally put anyone in there. But uh yeah, I I think in terms of like uh ability to to be the star, to be the main event, they really are struggling to find people to to fill out the babyface side and it's largely because heels are more interesting and <laughs> that they've done a lot of work on people um, to, to get them into these heel positions. That, yeah, they are somewhat limited. But um, you never know what's going to happen. Like, chances are somebody will pop up and uh, fill those uh, those slots. But, uh, yeah, let's let's take a look at uh, Chapter 40.
1: That's... Um... This was the first show in Sheffield that they had, by accident, essentially. It was supposed to be a Manchester show, but it got double-booked, so here we yeah, are. Yeah, they, in chapter they booked in Ash. Sheffield.
2: I did not know uh, Ash was still a thing.
1: I never particularly heard of them. <laughs>
2: well, 20 years ago, when I was young, uh, they were quite popular. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I I hadn't heard of any of their new stuff, so I, I didn't know they were still around and i'd be surprised mm. if anyone would go and watch them because they'd basically be my age so yeah people my age don't really go
1: out very much <laughs> uh first up we had the new look london riots they're now grey instead of red versus the new nation
2: um yeah they they tried to do something a bit different with the uh with the riots um it involved more flips it's no wonder the uh, the Cruiserweights can't get over. All the big lads are doing
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the first minute of this match, everyone b- dived out the ring. I will say one thing, the Riot's new theme, like their remix of um, The Prodigy, it sounds very much like a Deus Ex song from the video game Deus Ex, which is one of the best games ever, and you should all play it. So, <laughs> you know, they've gone up half a step, in my opinion, <laughs> just because of the theme song.
2: Okay, Um I've always liked the riots for their work. Um, this was a very rioty kind of uh, match. New Nation, mm. another, another very solid outing from them.
1: Yeah, they're, they're building their resume. I don't, don't really know what they're doing with them yet.
2: Well, they've, they've come in and <laughs> lost twice, so um, yeah, nothing much by the looks of it. It might be that they just they might give them a rest now and bring them in later, or you know, give them some singles matches to cut the. To get their teeth into
1: mm, the Hunter brothers being injured definitely hurt their booking in the tag team division a little bit because it makes the new nation look a bit shit that they got beaten by a team that won't be around for the next six months.
2: Um, but they, they can always bring in um, uh, Lee Hunter from the past, <laughs> get, get that time machine out, yes. you know, go and bring him in. So there's, there's double Lee's. Um, yeah, so the, the, uh, as far as an opener goes, this is fine. I, I liked it. Um, I think the Riots needed to win because New Nation not particularly well-established in progress. Riots coming off a, a, a loss for the titles. Uh, well, two losses for the titles. One where they lost the belts and then one, one where they lost the uh, the title match afterwards. Um, so this kind of re- re-establishes that they are... Uh, yeah, one of the premier teams, and they are—they're one of the best uh, tag teams in. Uh, I in presume Europe.
1: that they'll be part of whatever match they devise to crown a new champion. But I yeah, think th- that the new champions been any be... announcement for that? Or? I don't think so, but maybe there will be for Unboxing Live or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. they could—they like
2: a... could just do it there, couldn't they? Because it's yeah, surprise <laughs> mystery secret show. show.
1: Mm. Um following on from that we had Bee Priestley versus Tony Storm um it's the battle of the South Pacific ladies
2: yeah I keep forgetting that B's from uh, New Zealand
1: and only 19 that was yeah. surprising to me
2: yeah another teenager there's there's a fair few of them knocking around it's just kind Tony of Storm's only like 21 so yeah <laughs> Yeah, the, the uh, average age of like uh, people on these Brit Rush shows is, is frighteningly low. <laughs> so we shouldn't um, be too worried about people being uh, poached off the top of the card because all these guys that are coming in now in, in a couple of years are going to be filling those slots. So as long as people keep coming through, yeah. it's all
1: good. Uh, I feel like I like this match more than most. I think both women kind of struggled to convey personality. Like, they were both very, like, capable in the ring, but, like, even, like, i say Tony Storm is, uh, coming on leaps and bounds, and, like, is a prodigious talent, but, uh, her, like, gimmick of, like, rocker (sighs) doesn't really come across. Like, as soon as she takes the glasses off and the jacket off, she just sort of becomes a wrestler, and it doesn't really carry through to her in-ring stuff. And same for B Priestley. I th- I thought she got across, but the- almost like a grim chav kind of <laughs> thing, like spitting her um gum oh, into gum stuff, yeah. Tony Storm's mouth. Yeah, um, which I thought would fit her quite well, but uh, could have been better character work. Like you look at Ginny and stuff, and
2: yeah, she's like... the bar for for character work.
1: <laughs> Like, you, you get a very strong sense, to say the least, about who she is, whereas I didn't really get that here. But the work was very strong, I thought. I
2: think uh, B Priestley, uh, her technical work over the past uh, 12 months has has come on a, v- a really long way. Like, she's uh, on the mat, she's a lot better than she was. Like, a, a lot better. Um, yeah, definitely. I still think, uh, like, her selling needs work, her bumps are a bit. Rough, but like the she still, um,
1: she still looks like she's sort of thinking about what she's doing before she yeah, does yeah it, yeah. It's is just, the common criticism we make of young wrestlers.
2: But when she's not thinking about it, when it's transitions and stuff on on the mat, like that stuff is is looking really yeah. solid, and that's always a good sign. That's like so she could be step. really
1: good in a couple of years.
2: Could be, yeah. I mean, uh, I know I've seen criticism of her, but it's mainly been like because she's Will Ospreay's girlfriend. I don't think it's any... <laughs> I think she's she's getting pushed a little. Uh, further ahead of where she would be if she wasn't Osprey's girlfriend, but uh, yeah, she's she's got the basics. So she's going to be good. Um, Tony, I think uh, she was in a tough spot here because B's the inexperienced one, so Tony had to lead the match. And I think she's better off when she's in there with more experienced opponents. Um, but this is the problem we've got in in Britress at the moment. Is like in the women's division, there
1: are not a lot of
2: experienced uh, workers. No,
1: everyone's like only like three or four years in so yeah so
2: they're kind of gonna to have to gain that experience by going elsewhere uh learning from uh better more experienced wrestlers I think um Nixon Newell has benefited immensely from working with Kaylee Ray and uh Kimberly um and I think this this is the kind of thing Tony is gaining from from wrestling uh, for stardom uh yeah that they're gonna get better in time I thought this is okay. Um, I think once you get into the meat of this tournament, you're going to get some, some really decent matches because you've got, um, for the semifinals so far, you've got Tony Storm, Nixon Newell, and Ginny. So yes, th- those should be good matches.
1: Upcoming Chikara versus presumably Laura Di Matteo. They may add L- Dahlia Black in there as well, but that looks to be the final.
2: Yeah, I was, was surprised that it wasn't uh, Dahlia versus uh, Laura Di Matteo. Well,
1: they want to debut Shikara, so... Yeah which is very difficult to say without saying chikara.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen her wrestle. She's okay, but she's again she's very green, very, very inexperienced. Very
1: green, but she's got in like the size, which is like what a lot of women don't have, so it'll be very interesting to see. And she's she's wrestled Laura in the past, so they have prior chemistry. So it should be should be an interesting match that one.
2: Um who do you see winning the uh the title? Cuz uh, before <sighs> Um, the tournament. I was thinking it was Nixon Newell, but Nixon Newell is not going to be hanging around for much longer, and not in the same way that um, there's mm. contractual issues with uh, with the guys who are going to be working the um, WWE UK Championship. Uh, Nixon is on her way to Florida in like what less than half a year, so if you put the belt on her, she's going to have to lose it pretty much immediately.
1: I mean, the fact that. As you say, Nixon is likely leaving, and Tony Storm spends the majority of her time in Japan. Sort of points towards a final between Ginny and Laura De Matteo to blow off their feud in the biggest way possible. And or do they extend that, that, that out again?
2: Because if you've got uh, Nixon going, Tony not around, Pollyanna maybe as, as a uh, an interim challenger, then y- you're possibly looking at Ginny winning, and then Laura's. Title win coming down the line somewhere, mm. and building up to it, maybe at Brixton or something, where it, where it feels like a big deal.
1: Possibly, possibly, we'll see. Um, that that match could either be really good or really bad, <laughs> as we've seen from those two.
2: Yeah, well, Ginny's improving. I we we gave the uh, most improved, and and I think she deserved that. Um, yeah. So, I, considering how much heat she draws. I think she's probably the best choice. Um, that said, you're looking at um, Progress at the moment, and it's, it seems to be almost solidly uh, heel champion work. So maybe they want to do something different, apart from uh, the Atlas Championship, which is um, held by the one of the few uh, top tier baby faces that Progress have, and that's Rampage Brown.
1: And he was facing. Banter claws, banter claws, coming to town.
2: I smiled like I was smiling so hard during this match, my face hurt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just impressed by his beard and um, the d- the very good dye job on it that he then removed for later in the show.
2: Yeah, it's probably just flour, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have no idea. <laughs> if it was flour, it would have gone everywhere when they were wrestling. Also, props to the Master for wrestling in the the Santa boots and tights. Yeah. <laughs> I I was sad that he didn't wrestle the whole match in the Santa outfit, but the match got surprisingly serious towards the end. So I can I get why he did it in street clothes, essentially.
2: Yeah, it started off with the with a bit of banter, and then um, it just kind of got progressively more and more violent.
1: Yeah, it was actually probably my favourite Atlas Open Challenge match yet. I I liked the Bad Bones match, but it um it was kind of short, and this one felt a bit more interesting and more. I, I didn't think Mastiff was gonna win, but I gave him more of a shot than Bad Bones.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed. It. I I look. I I didn't think Mastiff was gonna uh, win. Um, I think the whole Rampage Open Challenge thing is building up to something substantial. I think whoever uh comes out to um. To beat him is going to be a big deal, but I just don't yeah. what that would be. Might
1: I would say Roy involved. Johnson, but <laughs> WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: well, it's it's not like he's dead and gone. It's <laughs> it's like uh, Man City with their um, uh, Gundogan tribute shirts on. He's like he's only injured. He's not dead. It's that's that's the kind of thing that we're we're, we're dealing with here. Is like these guys are still going to be available? We just don't know how long for and for what shows. Mm. You don't need to have any uh, Atlas title defenses on every show. It's not that important. So.
1: I feel I feel like they might be building Rampage up for a title match. Um, like with all these wins, he's eventually going to say, "Ah, I've beaten everyone. Now I want to be a double champion." I could see them doing that to fill time in between. Uh, he'd Dunn be a credible Habit challenger.
2: I don't think I've ever seen Pete Dunn and Rampage Brown.
1: No, they're, they're sort of from two different worlds. Okay. <laughs> so I was you just... cage-matching that?
2: <laughs> no, I was just scrolling down my notes.
1: Uh... <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, the first half main event uh, was for the number one contendership of the Progress Championship. Jimmy Havoc uh, defeating Marty Skull in... A true progress car crash. It's been a while since they just went all over the arena and flung each other off things.
2: You know what I like the most about this? It's the level of experience that they had um, coming into the match in terms of having no D key matches beforehand. Yeah. Because you have Skull just basically brings his umbrella with him and he's like, Yeah, I'm ready for a fight. And then Jimmy Havoc comes out with axe. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, you, you don't know what you're doing, mate. You're out of your element. And that is what happened in this match. That was the whole story of the match told in like a couple of seconds. It was like Skull did not know what he got himself into. He just figured he'd have the opportunity to to do all his usual cheating without the referee getting on his case. Whereas in actual fact, he was letting himself be destroyed.
1: Kind of disappointed no one will ever get axed. (laughs) It's like Janice in TNA. It's just an unusable weapon.
2: Yeah, I I suppose you could swing it once, but it'd have to be like at the post or something, and that that'd be it.
1: He has swung at the Osprey, but never hit him. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, obviously you can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so yeah, this was a fine car crash indeed. Um,
2: yeah, I really like all, this.
1: All the usual elements: a strong throw through the chairs, right onto the back row. Strong marks for that one. Onto the bar, good stuff. Uh, off the stage, on. Oh, the bump havoc took. Not through the table, just kind of. Oh, just kind of skimmed gliding it, it? off of it. <laughs> but still it, like, broke it, still it but nasty. No. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah, it's generally a good time. Um, I didn't think it was anything like special, but it was satisfying in the moment.
2: Yeah, I, I think this is a very good way to blow this feud off. It hadn't worked for me at all. Like, I really no. wasn't into uh, like Havoc as a babyface. I wasn't into the, the dynamic that they got going on. Well, I, I
1: think both guys are in the wrong alignment. I think Skull is better as a face and um, Havoc better as a heel. We're going to talk about Skull as a face later on in the show.
2: Um. Yeah. Um, well, I prefer him just as the villain, which... um yeah. <laughs> I think he leans too far heel maybe in, in progress. The, but yeah, the, like I said, this match really delivered for me. I wasn't particularly looking forward to it and they, they blew my expectations away. They had a really good match. Um, I've heard complaints about the, the amount of time they spent away from the ring and the, the part where they went sort of backstage and the camera feed cut out was oh, a yeah, bit annoying.
1: Was, I'm guessing that's because they saw some... And... Wrestlers or <laughs> management hanging out, and <laughs> had to cut it.
2: I don't know. Well, it looked like the, the camera cut out, so I don't know if he kind of. Um,
1: oh, maybe the, yeah, the, they went too far off for.
2: Pulled the plug, maybe. Pulled the plug,
1: yeah.
2: And then by the time they picked it back up, maybe they something was on the film that they didn't want in there, so they just had it come out from the from the stage. But yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed this. Oh, this is a really good sort of uh, cap for the first half of the show.
1: Yeah, same. Um easily the best match of this feud and
2: Yeah, by by distance, right?
1: They both move on. A skull will presumably be at Unboxing Live, but after that his feature is a little more uncertain.
2: He um he posted up something about having eleven days of rest and somebody sort of did the maths <laughs> on it and it yeah. was like Hey you'll see working on the thirtieth.
1: <laughs> oh, no other shows on the thirtieth. Maybe he's gonna fight Ronda Rousey.
2: <laughs> that would be weird.
1: Yes, very very weird. Um, speaking of weird, the banter edition of the origin. Um, they're very over. <laughs> yes,
2: I really enjoyed this. I, I, I like my very much I like enjoyed the comedy.
1: celebrations thumbtacks spot. Because I wouldn't want to get plonked onto a fucking bounty. <laughs> I don't want to be like fifty feet near a bounty bar, Jesus.
2: It is only a miniature bounty.
1: <laughs> Still, it's I might just bring mini- some miniature to, torment.
2: Right? I might bring <laughs> bring some to unboxing live and stuff. Like that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's some really good comedy in this. I mean, some of it was a bit camp, but um, yeah. I, I, I can like...
1: see why this would piss some people off. Obviously, the guy on the F4W boards who was definitely lying about being on the guest list um, didn't like this.
2: <laughs> uh, I thought he left early. I thought it was a. Uh...
1: Oh, well, he saw this. I think he left before the main event, but he saw every other match.
2: Okay. Why? Well, why? If you didn't like something, you weren't paying for it. Then why? <laughs> why hang around?
1: I don't know. There's pubs but, nearby. Uh... You just go to the pub. Just go to the pub. <laughs> I did enjoy the celebration spot. Um, I enjoyed Mastiff being upset that his beer had been spilt. Um, mm. Never spill a beer. In progress, especially. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of a fun time, and it's very difficult to analyze it in any sort of serious way.
2: There, there was a lot of fun spots in there. I Basically, just watch it. Yeah. W- watch it for the watch comedy. Elder Gary is have fun. very good at comedy. Yes. He's worked so many matches that he's just picked up little bits from all over the place, and um, that the stuff that he did in this and the storyline was really well done as well. With with Nathan Cruz getting increasingly pissed off with um, Liguero for just mucking around when he wanted yeah. to take it seriously and and, and win the match, but uh...
1: and it did look like the Origin could have actually won if they'd just not. <sighs> been on the different, like they could have won with silliness or they could have won with seriousness but because one was being silly and one was being serious, it didn't work
2: I, I'm particularly fond of um, when they were doing the tall lads wrestling The uh, when they did the Irish whip into the ropes and yes. Mastiff tried to do a leapfrog with Ligero on his shoulders <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of crotched him and then Ligero rolled Mastiff up <laughs> and got the three counts
1: yes there needs to be like a compilation of fake freak counts in wrestling because it, it always gets me. <laughs>
2: yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the crowd here as well. The um, uh, They started singing um when the celebrations came out, they were singing uh, uh, Celebration by uh, Cool and the Gang. Mm. That was uh, on point uh, <laughs> crowd singing. And I have some issues with the crowd in the next match, so I might as well put them over here Ooh, before I bury yes. them in the next one.
1: Speaking of, Will Ospreay versus Adam Cole, and I am not an Adam Cole fan. No. <laughs> he's had a really bad year, and his two matches with Osprey this year kind of show it. He just isn't very good. <laughs> like, no. he just doesn't put the effort in that other guys do. Like, Carl O'Reilly, his Feature Shock teammate, fucking goes mental in every single match he's in, whereas Adam Cole just looks like he's too cool for this and, like, just kind of lays about... Understand-
2: so right, the, you remember that Jim Cornette rant where he was going on about um uh, the Matt Riddle Osprey match, he didn't know who the who the heel was supposed to be. Yeah. Um well there wasn't one Jim, they were both baby faces. <laughs> but this match, right? Was Adam Cole supposed to be a heel? Yes. What but was the crowd he doing? did not
1: treat him like one. <laughs> He, he was panned. Well, this is the whole Bullet Club problem, is that, all? Oh, they're supposed to be cool heels who pander, and uh, everyone buys their shirt, and... Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everyone in the Bullet Club fucking sucks, and everyone who doesn't suck in the Bullet Club su- doesn't suck because they don't link themselves to the Bullet Club in any strong way. Like Kenny Omega and Bad Luck Farley, they're just kind of in it. Whereas Adam Cole kind of relies on it as his entire gimmick, and... Just kind of takes it easy, otherwise.
2: I'm, I'm quite relieved that you feel this way about this match because I, I was set to have an argument. And,
1: uh, <laughs> Damn it! I like arguments. <laughs> uh,
2: well, the thing is, like, they had this really hot, like, stretch at the end of it, and like Osprey, the selling that he did down down the end of the the match, like the last couple yeah. of minutes, I thought was really good.
1: Like Osprey saved the match with those last couple of minutes and turning it into a match about him and his losing streak and just having so much fight to try and get that one win this year in progress.
2: See, but he was kind of selling like he was dead, and then he did that one count kick out, and it's like this final last bit of energy, and then he goes yeah. for the goes for the Oz and this would have been more impressive if they hadn't already done it once. Um, <laughs> he got super kicked out of the air, and then Cole finished yeah. him off.
1: Yeah. That kind of tells you what you need to know about Adam Cole. I he did like the same spot twice, twice. Like he did the he did the jumping tombstone twice, and then the super kick out of the air twice. And it's just kind of you're just doing cool shit to try and. I, I actually yelled cool at the, at the screen, <laughs> and it was because
2: when Osprey did the the imploding four fifty, anyone has a really easy out on that spot because you can only do it right next to the ropes. All you gotta do is reach out, grab that rope. Breaks the pinfall. Put your foot on the rope. It's right there. Don't kick out. You don't need to kick out. That's just that's just bad psychology. <laughs> You're wasting your own energy just to look cool. And yeah. oh yeah, so there was there was too many things like that happening and the inconsistencies of it are just irked me,
1: and it, it did get a bit WWE main event with all the kickouts. Like, mm, like there's nothing wrong with being cool, but it has to sort of serve sort the of match. Well, I think a like, uh, purpose some way.
2: When you got someone like Ospreay who's so much better than Adam Cole,
1: <laughs> or it think, just puts in more effort, I think.
2: Yeah, you need to have a strategy to take him down. You can't just trade spots. Ricochet can trade spots with Ospreay, and that's fine because they're on a kind of an even keel. Kashidi can trade with him, but you know he brings an actual approach to the match as well because he's a good wrestler. But like Adam Cole, all he's doing here is just trading spots. And he's not... You look at him. He just doesn't look like... I, he looks like Will Ospreay could kick his ass, and Will Ospreay doesn't look like a big, <laughs> tough guy.
1: See, the thing about I Adam Cole is the thing that people always say about him is that he looks like a wrestler, like in your image of a wrestler... That's kind of like
2: shrunk in the wash,
1: (laughs) like Randy Orton, but shrunk in the wash, yeah. (laughs) Um, but uh, he's had a bad year and he's sort of been bypassed. Like he was, he was deemed like the future in like the early tens, like five years ago or so, and it just kind of hasn't come to pass with him. Like he just doesn't have. Well, he did. He had good matches in Ring of Honor. Two or three years ago, and since then he's just gotten. I I can't just have to say lazy really, and that kind of happened here. He
2: just doesn't put he any thought into it. That's what annoys me. I mean, maybe maybe he does put thought into it, but
1: it, it, it isn't apparent <laughs> what
2: those thoughts are.
1: <laughs> Other than gotta sell bullet club shirts.
2: I mean, this match was pretty entertaining, but it just wasn't. It wasn't good. It was just entertaining.
1: Hmm. Uh, the, the ending was really good, um, and Cole's bug eyes got Osprey's like heart and desire over well. So at least like the emotion was there, but not. Yeah, but will didn't brought come that in the by itself. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we're not the biggest Adam Cole fans in the world. And,
2: and to make matters worse, the crowd during this match. I mean, eventually they policed themselves and stopped it. <laughs> but, uh I just got so annoyed by like the, the cheering of the heel, which is like in progress, like they don't cheer heels. It it's it's just makes sense you don't cheer the heels, because if you're cheering the heels, then you, you're gonna that's this is the reason why you've got no baby faces in the company. Because <laughs> <laughs> of cool heels. <laughs> cool heels, I just it's wrong. Like and a lot of the like Pete Dunne, does like everything he possibly can to not get cheered uh, the way that he he approaches wrestling is as a heel so mm-hmm. he doesn't get cheered and the, the crowd usually support this but i don't know what was going on in sheffield they they were cheering for Skrull earlier on and've i kind of put that down to like maybe some people are disgruntled with havoc they, the perception being that he's a London wrestler and that they you know this is up north, but I don't I don't really get cheering for, for Cole here
1: because Cole does have a chance to be like despicable like he's in the Bullet Club he's got kind of a punchable face <laughs> um, like he could be like a braggart and a uh, could come across like that and instead he chooses to come across like he's too cool for it and uh, yeah. I know we I think we, we <laughs> we've buried him long enough. Well, we, we're going to
2: sound like kind of stupid there because we we're, we're saying like don't cheer for the uh, for the heels when we cheered for um Pete yeah, Dunne winning double, the title. But we reacted to the <laughs> we reacted to the win is what we did. We didn't uh, like stand there all match chanting let's go Pete. <laughs> we didn't do that. It's just we wanted Pete Dunne to win, but we weren't cheering for him like actively like people were chanting... um like stuff for Adam Cole here, it uh it's it's not a double standard, damn it. <laughs> I get
1: I get what you mean. Like we have um more of an emotional connection to um the British Strong Style guys than Adam Cole. Or well, no one really has an emotional connection to Adam yeah. Cole because he's a guy who's been over here twice and is part of like the biggest heel faction in the world.
2: And yeah, someone was doing the moose thing. Oh god no <laughs> No. But that got shattered down. You could hear yeah. uh, there was an actual shut the fuck up chant. <laughs> 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 so uh, that made me very happy. It's like. So Fucking there are idiots there, loose. but luckily in the minority.
1: Anyway, the main event happened then, and it was Pete Dunne defending against Zack Sabre Jr., making his first defense, his first singles main event in progress. Um, this one kind of hasn't congealed in my brain yet. I. Watched it only a few hours ago and it didn't really make much of an impression on me. Like, I thought it made Pete Dunn look really good and like a definitive champion, which is kind of the whole point of the match. Like, it made him yeah. just look physically dominant. But as a match, I'm probably never going to watch it again. Like, probably not. In I, vacuum.
2: I thought it was really good though. Um, I like that they gave it time. And I like the story that they went for because you had, um, had Sabre looking to control the pace, um, looking to uh, be the superior technician. But, and then you had Dunn kind of cutting corners. And the way that they told that story and the way that Dunn eventually found ways around the technical side of things, and that just kind of brought more aggression out of Zach in the process, like when he's stamping on his head. <laughs> I like the story that they told there. And the way it was going was that um, Sabre was going to outlast Pete Dunne. And the story that they told is that that didn't happen and that mm. Pete was actually worthy of that spot, that he had enough stamina to hold it together, stay the, the, the 30 minutes, hit his finish, and get the pin. And that was the story that they had going on, and uh, I thought they told it really well.
1: Yeah, it was it was a very gruelling match. like um, Kind of difficult to watch in that regard, because like there was a lot going on and a lot of different phases to the match. Um, I may have to watch it again, just because like, I don't think I got everything it was trying to get across. Um, but yeah, very interesting one, and it made Pete Dunne look really good and like a top tier guy. So yeah. if anyone was like questioning, oh, he'd never won a singles match in progress before, like this definitively puts him on top.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't just a, a win. It the way Saber um put the match together from his perspective was to make Pete Dunne look really good. So Pete yeah. came out of the match looking like a champion, which is exactly what needed to happen here. I thought it was a very good match.
1: I I do too. I don't think it's um in the four star range or anything but it's it was a strong one it went a very long time maybe i don't think it went too long i think uh,
2: it was like over 30 minutes i think it was um yeah it it, from... it it
1: went a long time but it didn't feel like it was wasting that time like it was it was supposed to be a grueling match and um take a lot out of both guys uh, i think i may need to watch it again just because i don't think I got everything that I needed to get from it. Um
2: Yeah, there was there was a lot going on there. If you kinda of look at it from a tactical uh, point of view, um the tactics that they both employed changed like throughout the match based yeah. on what the other guy was doing. And uh, I thought the lots, story lots of that the different
1: they were, phases of the match.
2: Yeah, the story that they were telling there
1: was very good.
2: And I like that um, they had Tyler Bate out there to start with, but then they had him like run in like like a minute into the match and get thrown out. <laughs> I like that he, that happened because it was like he's not used to being a heel. Yeah. So that tells part of the story as well, uh, and also it took away the um, you know will there be a DQ uh, you know cheap bullshit finish in this match? They just took that away straight away. it yeah. Always itself. a
1: good thing to do that to clear that away immediately.
2: Yeah. He yeah, just. I like I like all of the storytelling. in This match though is really strong. And Pete came out of it looking like a like a million bucks, I think.
1: Yes, he, like a... he, he looks like a guy who is very tough to beat right now, and whoever does get the chance to beat him will look the better for it, because they didn't really do that with Marty Skull. They didn't, like, well, they made him, they gave him big wins against guys like Chris Hero, but then made him look like a cheap bullshit artist against Tommy End and other guys, and it just kind of devalued him as a champion and didn't yeah, well, make him look dangerous. Part, part
2: of Skull's, um strength as champion is that he had a lot of different ways to win, and most of them didn't involve wrestling. Um, whereas what they've done with Pete Dunne immediately is say, he, he's got a lot of different ways to win, yeah. but they all involve wrestling.
1: He's the best wrestler in the company, and you're going to have to out-wrestle him to beat him, and yeah. Sabre couldn't do that here. Yeah,
2: I, I like the story, because like, you look at, um, at Sabre and everything that he brought into that match, and you think logically, he's he's gonna really push uh, Pete. But I, from a, from a like an actual storyline uh, point of view, like Pete Dunne surprised Saber with what he brought mm. into the match.
1: Well, the commentators called it an upset when when the bell rang, but <laughs> I don't think anyone watching this thought that Saber was actually going to win. <laughs> which no, maybe no, has that's the match a little bit.
2: They have to sell that story. This is the reason why I yeah. can't do commentary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're not earnest enough.
2: I'm uh, just, I'm just too honest. Like I can't. Call it. It's like if I was watching a, a show and I, I was pretty sure what the outcome would be. I, I, yeah, I'd struggle. <laughs> anyway, that that was progress. Um, I thought this was a very good show, um, even. I know we've been kind of bad-mouthed Adam Cole quite a lot, but uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the match... We, we got was, a bit too into that. <laughs> ...was entertaining. <laughs> and and it was it was entertaining pretty much throughout. And, like, uh, I wasn't particularly looking forward to it based on, on the card, which I know is weird because it looked pretty strong. Um, but Progress, they don't seem to ever have shows that are, are just bad. It's like there's always two or three matches on every Progress show that are well worth watching.
1: hmm Uh, This was one of the shows where there wasn't like a stand-up great match, but I thought every match was above average um, and well worth your time.
2: Yeah, I went went pretty high on the main event. But then uh, I think I got more out of it than you did, so... Yeah. Okay, so that, that was progress. Um... Here's the point where I can't remember what the date was for the... I was going to say what the date was for the <laughs> WXW show, and I have actually I mean, it, was moved the, it
1: from, the day before, so... Uh,
2: the 10th? 10th, yes, there we go, yes. I just found it. This is what happens when I go from show to show, I have to swap from one <laughs> like um, piece of paper to another. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, WXW, their 16th anniversary show... Um, from Oberhausen, the same place that they do uh, 16 karat in. Um I haven't seen anything since Broken Rules, um, so I might have missed out on some of the uh, the storytelling in there. But I'm trying to and watch nearby, more.
1: So. Yeah, I've tried to watch
2: more <laughs> WXW so that I, I'm more familiar with the products. I'm aware that we we've been covering the big shows, but like I, I could do with filling in some gaps in between just to to, to make sure that we don't miss stuff. And immediately, as soon as the first match started, I was like, Alpha Kevin? Why is he called Alpha <laughs> Kevin? I mean, I assume it has something to do with the Alpha female, who is like Marius van Beethoven's version of Melanie Gray. But um, yeah, Alpha Kevin. I, I don't know why he's called Alpha Kevin. Any ideas? <laughs>
1: Just... No, I'm the same as you have only been watching the big shows, but I thought this show did do well to catch people up with video packages, even in German you know yeah you can kind of, you both, tell what's going on we're both well used to hearing vi- voiceovers and video packages in foreign languages so <laughs> wrestling is a universal language um
2: yeah it made sense i mean this this storyline's been rumbling on for a while i mean marius has uh, has been uh, injured. But for a while now, he's been doing the whole uh, Bob Orton Jr. thing, only I mean, with, with the leg um, and using a crutch as a weapon. Yeah. Um, but now he's he's been kind of uh, cleared to wrestle, and this is basically uh, Kevin Roadster's revenge match for the, for Marius ruining his wedding and, uh, and and basically picking on him and like pissing him off for like six yeah. months.
1: Being a little shit, being a Sebastian as his ring attire would suggest.
2: Yeah, a bit of a Power Ranger look going on.
1: <laughs> uh, he spent most of his match running away, and as such, it wasn't too much of a match. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was hoping for something far more satisfying than, than we actually got, because it, I, I mean, I sound like uh, this is his chance for revenge, but basically his revenge was winning the match and then getting his leg broken <laughs> and his <laughs> missus got punched in the face.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a very good revenge. He now has a lot more to be revengeful for. Yeah. Revengeful, that's a word. Um, revengeful. Alpha Kevin, rising revengeance. Uh, the nerds <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, <laughs> not a lot to talk about here. It yeah, I think it went long as mu- well. A bunch of a match, and it wasn't even the conclusion of the feud.
2: So as much as I want to put over uh, WXW, um, this is probably not the match to to do it it was mostly storyline I don't think the storyline played out too well but uh, <laughs> it's 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 still going so the, there'll be another one somewhere
1: I thought Emil Satochi versus Chris Colan though was um a much better match and probably should have been the opening match just because it was a more traditional match that yes yeah, got hot opening, surprisingly yeah. big time spots towards the end of a match. Satoshi's Spanish fly I'm thinking of, mainly.
2: Yeah, I thought that should have been the finish, really. I mean, when, when you hit something like that, it's like, whoa! I mean, <laughs> it's, that's not the finish. Top
1: rope Spanish fly for a two count.
2: <laughs> yeah. well, basically, he wasn't winning, so um, it's a shame yeah. I couldn't have uh, done that and then maybe like had his foot on the rope or something and just not had the kick out. It just felt like uh, that... If you're not having that as the finish, you need to go higher for the finish. And Basically, the finish was just um, Colin's normal finisher.
1: I thought Colin looked really good here. I haven't seen uh, much of him at all before, but he's he's a strong prospect coming up in WXW.
2: Yeah, he's he's a big, tough-looking guy. Um, I'm not sure he plays the baby face quite right. He plays it like a guy who doesn't actually care about the crowd would. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I can see that. I see I, can I always get that vibe sometimes
2: from, from like really big jacked up guys and and then you see the crowd and it's like, yeah, he doesn't relate to these people at all. He he's just here for <laughs> money or whatever. It, that's the the vibe I got from from Colin. Whereas Emil Satoshi, I can imagine like bumping into him in a pub and he probably offered me drugs.
1: Yeah, he's he's a sleazy character. Yeah. Um he was on commentary later, first as a uh, um no voice man. Yeah. For the main event he actually got a voice because they plugged his microphone in.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what was happening there, but uh <laughs> He basically on commentary he's just a guy. He's just like a, a fun living you know a, he's pretty much babyface, wasn't he, as a commentator?
1: Mm. Um, what did you think of Rico Bushido's commentary on the show? He, he had to go solo. Um, oh, it's always hard.
2: It's very tough to, to solo commentate on a show. Yeah. Um, especially when it's not in your first language. Uh, so <laughs> I, I thought he did really well considering. Um, I thought he
1: did really well on the matches that had like a strong storyline. So I'm thinking um, the Dragon of Bad Bones and the tag team match. Like ones where there was a like very like strong emotional link that he was very well aware of that he could emphasize on these sorts of matches where it was just a wrestling match, he was maybe a bit more lost. Yeah, but, it helped
2: putting Satoshi next to him because it gave him something to kind of play off and ask yeah. questions and get, get some colour, which is what Satoshi was there for. Unfortunately they didn't plug his microphone in, so that didn't really work. <laughs> uh
1: so yeah, I guess we can move on to Dragonov versus Bad Bones, a yes. match of a crazy match from last year's Sixteen Carat, um, and yeah, they killed each other once again.
2: I loved everything about this match,
1: <laughs>
2: everything it was... about it, like from the storyline coming in because like Klinger's been chasing after the uh, all the Cerberus goons because they're yeah. uh, they're all pillheads, and uh, Dragunov is the one guy in Cerberus who. Um, like Bad Bones has gone, well, I kind of respect this guy, and I wish he wasn't such a jerk. Uh, And this match was him having to beat respect into Dragunov to to get him to stop being such an asshole. (laughs) And um, so the storyline was great. I thought the action in this was tremendous.
1: Yeah, Um, Dragunov is a crazy motherfucker, and he's one of their two stars of grooming to be, like, the top guys of the next generation. So, Bad Bones... Like taking an interest in him and trying specifically to save him um, from the Cerberus gang plays into that that he is the guy the company is going to rely on in the future and they don't want um, him messing at messing up his life. So I like that storyline and real life sort of merged into each other there.
2: Well, this is very much came off as a like a trial match to see if Dragonov could actually have those big uh main events as well this this felt yeah. like a main event match
1: oh yeah this <laughs> they went for epic and they absolutely got at her huh?
2: yeah um the, the one small issue might be the table at the end <laughs> the table didn't want to cooperate um and yes, Japanese table. It was because I I posted up on Twitter that I just I just finished watching the match. Thought it would have been it could have been really great if the table had actually broken when it was supposed to. When Dragunov is basically bleeding from the face and he's, uh, yeah. he gets thrown face first into it. I was like, if it had broken then, then that might have really put it over the top. Um, mm. But Martin Bentley uh, responded by saying that he felt that the, that the table's not breaking just made it that much more um, violent. Because they were they were doing these spots, and there, I think it was a dragon suplex that um, uh, Bad Bones threw Dragon off towards the table with, and it just he just like sorry the other way around, uh, just kind of bounced off it. Yeah, and it it didn't really feel like a botch because it was it was just the table not cooperating, <laughs> and it didn't really uh, make any difference because it wasn't like a tables match. So they didn't have to go through it. It was just there to emphasize how violent it was. And it worked that way, so... I
1: don't know, I feel like if you're going for a table spot it always looks a bit weaker if you don't go through it. Like, um, But I thought the blood here was really good. Uh, Dragonov has one of those Ric Flair uh, faces where you can just <laughs> make the blood look really awesome and with his blonde hair, like, it just... It, he's got a very good crimson mask, basically, and it added a lot of, like, emotion to the match. Um, and Bad Bones is, like, the veteran ass-kicker trying to stop the addiction. The addiction, as <laughs> Hardy would say. Uh, yeah, really good dynamic, and a very strong match early in the show.
2: Yeah, I, I had this down as a match of
1: the night. Oh, really? you go that far? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'd probably give it to the tag team match later on, but both matches were very strong for similar reasons, sort of like the veteran WXW mainstays versus... Um, the young guys in a different mix in that match, but
2: um yeah. And after the match, he had um basically Bad Bones as like, uh, are, "Are you okay now? You know, are you, you going to be um, run on the straight and narrow?" And Dragonov gives him the old fist bump, and that brings out Cerberus. And Cerberus have got somebody back in the ranks. It's Robert Dreisker. He's he's, back after... he's been injured for what a year.
1: Yeah, I think it was just before the sixteen carat this year, so in February. I think he broke his leg, so but he's back. He looks healthy.
2: Yeah, it looks like he's got cleared basically, and he's he's ready to go. Um, there was a moment where it was like, was he going to side with Dragunov and come back as face, or was yeah. he going to join, you know, rejoin Cerberus and side with Nero and uh, Polak? Uh, but that's what he did. So you've got. Um, Cerberus versus Dragunov now is like a, a storyline going forwards. It's Which to good job like, uh, back, because without him I think that would be a problematic
1: storyline, because yeah. Nero's not as good. <laughs> Nero and Dirty Dragon probably aren't going to hold up the work great right end, no. <laughs> as well as and that, that Dragunov would, and Dreisker. That would hurt Dragunov, I think. If yeah, he went so from, Dragunov from versus Dreisker. That. That's, that's a pretty hype match.
2: Um... Yeah, so I'm trying try to figure out when the next show is. Um, this involves scrolling. <laughs> uh, the, well, they're in London in January. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you go going to that one? I'm going
1: to that one. Don't know. Not. I don't know yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's day day before progress. Be Another fun weekend. That's a weekend in the middle of my what possibly could be jury duty. So I, I'm, in, I'm in for it the week before. Um, so, yeah.
1: Shall we move on to the Shotgun Championship 4-Way?
2: Uh, yeah, we can do. Um, that title's moved around an awful lot recently.
1: Yeah, I think that's the story they've been trying to tell us, but all four of these guys yeah, have it was... had it in some regard well, over the these, couple of months. Well, they
2: had these four guys, and... I'm pretty sure Tyler Bates was did he beat Tyler the Mac? Bate had it briefly. Yeah as he well, he yeah. beat the Mac and then he lost it to uh, I wanna say Pete Dunne? I, there's been a lot of belt changes. But it, it's come yeah, down he's... to this. No Tyler yeah.
1: Bates. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it I think they wanted to tell the story that this was David Starr definitively winning the championship and like Putting him head and shoulders above the other contenders, but they wanted to establish that they were all sort of on equal ground before then, just to make the Star's win even bigger. I yeah. don't know if it came across that way. But... Yeah, it's a
2: big, big win for Star. Uh, Brooks is a guy that you can just slide into these these um, positions, and he's he's fine. He'll he'll just carry it and move on. Um, Pete Dunn didn't look terribly ambitious in this match. I don't know if you noticed, but he. he <laughs> was quite content for Brooks to retain the belt. He didn't break up pinfalls and stuff. He was he was just there. Yeah,
1: they were working as best friends tag team. But it all came to a head with David Starr doing all the dives to the outside, yes. and then definitively beating both Dunn and Brooks at the same time. So they, this whole match was basically designed to put David Starr really really over.
2: Yeah, and then afterwards he's saying he, uh, he's going to be in 16 carat and try and win yeah. it. So, um,
1: and he very well could onto, onto 16 carat for him. And yeah. uh, like, I like that he's claimed he wants to win it because that makes him a legit contender. Because not too enamored with the first two announcements of Paul London and Cody Rhodes. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> the American Nightmare. <sighs>
2: I, uh Cody just does nothing for me I and this is not anything new he's never done anything for me and i I just I never got the the hype and I still don't get it he's, he's not a bad wrestler a he's just yeah uh, uh, you know I'm just not bothered okay so uh tag titles <laughs> um they yes. did this two out of three falls and like uh Zack saber jr and uh, Tommaso Champa uh, for progress uh, at Brixton. The first fall was a like a double KO, so they basically eliminated the whole heels go one up, baby faces have to fight back thing, and just went straight into the the final fall. And I think the reason why I, I like this less than you was because of the I don't like two out of three falls where the the first fall is all waiting and it just it felt like a lot of this was just waiting it's just it, it was walter just you know bossing the whole thing and then we're just waiting <laughs> to see what happens you know what i mean i
1: i do agree that the pacing was weird because they were like probably 20 minutes into the match before the first full the double ko happened and that was basically just like a spot in any other match where there's like an extended bit of everyone selling um so I thought the two out of three falls could have just been gone from this match. Uh, I don't think it detracted from it, though. I thought it was all very exciting. There was a lot of very impressive stuff happening here. Lots of impressive tag team stuff. Yeah, um, I thought
2: Wal- Walter was the star here. Uh, I thought he was the outstanding guy. The the way that he I dominated exactly the so match was, was like... Uh, it's like watching Chris Hero. <laughs> um, where he I'm liking weakness. Axel
1: Dieter Jr. as well, though yeah he was as he a was heel.
2: Fine. I just thought yeah you know, this this is Walter's match although he was the the boss
1: that's fair. um Marius alani is impressing me still um and I like the a4 team in general um they had a bit of help here with the sympathy um with the Carsten Beck storyline obviously um him having to retire from wrestling because of his brain tumor but still being able to appear is very cool and like him providing the the promotion support against Ring Camp and their sort of um, takeover strategy, hostile takeover. Um, I thought that was a really good story that aided the match a lot.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, it, the, it's solid wrestling. I mean, all, all four of those guys are really good. Um that's how I just I'm not a big fan of the two out of three falls gimmick when you have one team which is. Defined as heels, and one team which is defined as baby faces. Because there's, there's two ways you can go you can either have the, the heels win the first fall, which is the sensible way to do it, or you can have the baby faces win the first fall, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> so that they tried to get around that by having like the double double KO and just skip to the last fall, but it just seems yeah. to take too long to get to that. I don't I feel like I'm overly complaining because I love the match. But... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I am I may be under complaining and just kind of enjoying the story. Um but I enjoyed Jacoby's um fall off of a ring and into like the pit of oblivion um at the side of a ring. Like he just he just fell off and then you couldn't see where he had landed because like the crowd just were still by the ringside. That was amusing. He
2: could've just hit the open and disappeared.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Volta's a boss, so
2: Yeah, so that was probably second best match on, on the night. No-
1: yeah, I would agree. Um, and then we had the main event, which was a bizarre mix of guys: Ian um, Simmons versus Marty Skull versus everyone's favorite wrestler <laughs> on this podcast, Adam Cole.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, when they booked him in there, I was like, well, he doesn't need to be in there. It, it should have just been Skull and Simmons. The only him, reason him they... being
1: there was a big red flag that Ian Simmons was losing the title, but they didn't want to pin him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, that, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really get that. It, it was a it was and a decent was... match.
1: I I thought Jern Simmons, uh, has been improving as of late, and this was a pretty good match from him. Like him and Skrull had some really good moments together.
2: I, I'm beginning to think that the whole Jern Simmons, uh, stall-tastic, um Memphis style, walking around the ring for twenty minutes and not doing anything. Uh, is at an end, and that perhaps he was just doing that to draw as much heat as possible, and he really yeah. was a good worker all along. Which um...
1: <laughs> it's it's quite possible because he's doing good stuff now, and now has the heat as well. So <laughs> mission accomplished, if that was the aim.
2: Yeah, yeah he's. I, I like him a lot better. Uh, that match with Mike Bailey is what sold me on him. It, yeah, to have a match that good. Kind, you can't just fluke that. That's not a one-off. Um, so yeah, another decent uh, performance from him here. I I hope they don't kind of rush into a face turn on him because I know you, you've got ring camp for like the the top heels in the promotion. It just it'd be nice for them to find something else for him to do.
1: Yeah, without... find another feud away from ring camp for him.
2: Yeah, it's kind of tough when you have such a. Um, I mean Simmons was such a dominant heel champion, and now they've got Ring Kampf as like the top heel unit. It's you kind of can't leave Yearn on top and have Ring Kampf there because if Ring Kampf would eventually get around challenge challenging Simmons, and that'll turn in facts. So yeah, it's a difficult spot that they're in, but they they have to build around Ring because that's that's the the meat of the story. Yeah, I'm afraid.
1: So it's very understandable, what they did at the end of the show, uh, skill. Uh, beating Cole with chicken wing, and then uh, losing it to Axel De La after Michael Jacoby, Christian Michael Jacoby, uh, mad with power, rushes to the ring, tells skill that he has to defend it now, and uh, lovely callback to um, W. Um, what am I talking about? <laughs> lovely callback to Sixteen Carat Night One, where. Obviously, Skull lost to DT Jr., but when they were different alignments, Skull was heel and DT Jr. was oh. face, and the crowd turned on Axel Dieter. And I like that long-term storytelling where they now, it all comes full circle. Axel Dieter Jr. is now a dick, and Skull's the guy they were cheering for. He was the good guy all along, and he gets screwed. It's, <laughs> I like that because it was such an unpopular moment of Super Cena stuff. I I enjoyed that match, but I do agree that they presented Axel the wrong way. So to now present him as a heel against the same guy, but he was such a super babyface, overly overly so. I I like that whole turnaround on the ear.
2: Yeah, I kind of like Dieter as the um, like as Germany's John Cena, where he's he's going out there and trying to be a babyface, and people are just booing the hell out of him. Because <laughs> the reactions it was getting were probably bigger than the reactions he's now getting as yeah. a heel. So uh, he was getting bigger he heel does, reactions he, to the
1: face. He and Volta do have good mean faces, so I, I'm I'm into the ring camp thing.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it makes Timothy Thatcher look great. So
1: <laughs> it's doing master masterful work then. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so this is the right call. Um, Dieter Junior potentially has like every face on the on the roster as a as a, as a challenger, mm. um, so that they've got angles they can do going forward.
1: So the booking has been a success. Uh, they've established Jern as a top guy um, who's worth watching and isn't just a complete bore fest. And they've established Ring Kampf as a wrecking crew who do what they want. Um... Which can provide some interesting story options going into next year. Uh, hopefully, Jacoby doesn't get too overwhelming heel authority figure, but we'll yeah, I'm not, see.
2: I'm not even sure what the deal is there because he's the uh, he's the owner. Yeah, cast him back. I is enjoyed the authority figure. So who I enjoyed Jacoby being
1: like he was like repping in the opening video, like oh WXW, we've had an incredible <laughs> history, isn't it lovely? And then like <laughs> half an hour later, he's being a dick and like, talking like an evil dictator.
2: Yeah, I'm, I must admit I'm not a big fan of, of Halo Authority figures.
1: No. <laughs> I could have guessed.
2: Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, it a good show. Uh, WXW's um, uh, online stuff has, has been really strong um, this year. I, I think they're going to be worth watching again next. Uh, I'm going to try and watch more of their stuff so I get more of a um, an idea of what's going on with the on running, on ongoing yeah. storylines
1: there's too much wrestling to watch <laughs> yeah there's a lot, there's an awful lot it might well be that we don't talk about them again until 16 carat but you never know
2: um, well I'm definitely going to try and get a review in at the, the, the January show in London if nothing else
1: <laughs> uh, of course
2: um, yeah so that, that was WXW um Uh, We have another item that we need to get to really quickly before we go, and that would be the high stakes card, um, because it's been um, mostly all revealed um,
1: this week. Probably only an Osprey match remaining, and then that'll be the full card.
2: And This is the part where I really should have had the card (laughs) lined up. And I'm now frantically searching for it. There it is. Okay. Um, so this is again. Looks like a very, very good card from RevPro. Uh, the title match is uh, Shibata against Matt Riddle. Crazy. That. I. Well. I mean the 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 basement for that. Yeah. The, the very uh, <laughs> is probably about four, and we'll see what happens after that. Um, yeah. The Skull and Saber feud. Uh, comes to a head they're having their match, um, which, based on the chemistry that they have, is going to be nothing short of of brilliant. Um, again, I think that's going to be four stars plus easily. <laughs> which um, can't leave you wondering where where the 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 poor disappointing match is going to be because they've also <laughs> they've also booked uh, Pete Dunne against Yoshihashi.
1: Ugh. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna be weeping tears of joy.
2: That is a phenomenal idea. Like whoever came up with that it was just <laughs> middle of the forehead genius. <laughs> um, they're gonna they, they suit each other so perfectly because yeah, Yoshihashi is such a great underdog baby face. Uh, Pete Dunne such a dickhead heel. I, they're just gonna click perfectly, I think. And it looks like another another one of those matches where they're gonna try and get Pete to be get noticed by New Japan. Which is weird because he's just signed for the WWE for this this UK thing. So I, I don't know what's going on
1: there. Uh, you, you never know, with Pete Dunn. Oh, it's another him versus chaos match as well. Um, when his sort of feud with Osprey, he had the match of Ishii where Osprey interfered.
2: So yeah. I well, he's it's... got
1: he's got fingers in multiple pies, that young man.
2: He's got the world the world at his doorstep is what he's got. He, he must be <laughs> loving he's
1: biting, it. he's biting into all the pies. That's a terrible metaphor, but you get it. <laughs> um
2: and just when, when you think, oh well that, that, that's gotta be it, they can't have named anything else, it's really great. They've they've got Trent Seven against Trevor Lee. Um, I think that's gonna be a great match. I don't know what your feelings are on on Trevor Lee, but uh, I'm not
1: a huge Trevor Lee fan. But maybe if you
2: if you've only seen Trevor Lee in TNA, <laughs> I think he does a very deliberate style in there. Um, if you watch his like uh, CWF stuff, I think it's very different. Um, I don't know if he's going to be. Work- I presume he'll be working heel, um, which he's good at. I I rate this uh, ahead of time. I think this is going to be good um then we've got uh Jay White against Martin Stone with um
1: very interesting match yeah
2: they said Martin Stone's going to be more of a fixture in uh, in Rev Pro this year he's been working a lot in the states uh southern yeah. Indies um I've not seen an awful lot of him because he's been in the states but um he's gotten a lot uh, uh leaner and uh, and fitter um so yeah looking forward to seeing what he brings against uh against Jay White uh, great to have Jay over again. Um, hopefully, um, he'll get another couple of shots in the UK before he eventually goes back to New Japan, which um, is inevitable, you'd think. And then finally, uh, the tag titles, uh, Joel Redman and Charlie Sterling, knee Garrett, is uh, they're going up against War Machine, which is going crazy, to be
1: tremendous crazy. fun. Charlie Sterling. It's happening. <laughs> I don't know if War Machine is ready for Charlie Sterling. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for him.
2: Yeah, so, I, I mean, that's six matches. I'm guessing there's probably going to be seven.
1: Yeah, Osprey versus Hiromu Takahashi?
2: <laughs> I think you were just fantasy booking never. Fantasy think, booking. <laughs> the, the thing with, um, with Red Pro is, you kind of throw these ridiculous ideas out there, and then ten minutes later they booked it because <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's just how they see Vader. That's just how British wrestling works nowadays. There's, that's that's what it has we've been got. Uh, in an Colchester. Shit,
1: yeah, like uh, <laughs> we, we've been. This is the first full year that we've been doing this podcast. Um, and the scene in January versus the scene now it's uh it's pretty been a crazy year there's been a lot of stuff happening and changing and oh it's just constant evolution and change and it's impossible to keep on top of and every time we release a podcast there's like something else happened within the week and we haven't talked about it and we look like idiots because we haven't covered this major news the I know. Well, thing is, like
2: we, we've talked about, like uh, what a major news event, uh, two shows in, completely in full, <laughs> and then it's like, well, Attack had their uh, their pre-Christmas tour, so they they had a couple of shows on there that are probably worth talking about, but we can't yet. Uh, Ott had two shows um, that I am sure we'll get around to uh, probably next time out, and IPW UK is kind of re-announced itself for, for a while now they've been coasting but i think dan edler's in uh the size of the pie that is available and decided he wants a bigger piece of it mm. because the stuff that they've been um uh doing on, the, on their shows and that they've announced going forwards i think we're gonna have to start covering them as well uh, <laughs> uh and they're on flow slam uh, their Super Show um, 5 is going to be on uh, Flow Slam. In fact, it probably is already.
1: Ugh, there's too many things to watch. <laughs> I know. It's,
2: it's getting ridiculous. It's getting to the point we're going to have to draft people in to talk about the shows that we can't watch because we haven't got time. <laughs> but yeah, they, they had a show and they had um, Will Osprey versus Cody Rhodes on there. Uh, Jimmy Havoc and uh, Sammy Smooth. And... Uh, Matt Riddle against uh, Zach Saber Virginia. That happened. Like this, this weekend just gone, and, and yeah, we, we weren't even planning on talking about it, but now we're going to have to.
1: <laughs> there's too much to talk about. There um, is. There's too much. And hopefully, we'll get to everything in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> nice, quiet 2017.
2: Yeah. Well, I think our, our the whole uh, let's go weekly, so it's the shortest show has now become, we have to go weekly because there's so many wrestling shows to cover.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Which is good. I like talking about wrestling. It's a good job, really, I isn't do it? this if I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Shame <laughs> you can, can't get paid for it.
2: <laughs> yeah, now, now you're asking. That's uh...
1: Yeah. Co-opt me, WWE, please, for the love of God.
2: <laughs> uh, but then there's certain shows we wouldn't be allowed to talk about. Uh, of course, we've got World oh, of Sport coming oh. up as well, Uh, as we're recording something we're going to
1: have to watch as well 12
2: days away from that and there's Unboxing Live just to kind of cap the year (laughs) off
1: well, just like Marty Skull, we're going to go and get 11 days rest
2: Uh, Uh, speak for yourself (laughs) I've got to go to work
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you get to go off and fight uh, Christmas shoppers Uh, the worst kind of people the
2: worst shoppers but uh, on that note I think that's about everything Um, do you have anything to plug or should you be writing stuff at the moment Uh, I should
1: go off and write my F4W Euro notes in the F4W newsletter uh, which you should go and read Um, people talk about it now which is exciting (laughs) Um, and also uh, I've written an article uh, about the UK Championship Tournament for Voices of Wrestling which should be up uh, by the time this drops and yeah at another Ollie on Twitter, if you want to hear musings.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at Arnold Furious, and I will probably get around to the big announcement next week. Probably, I don't, I don't know because it depends on what time it drops because it's very New Year specific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and on that note, I, I think we're going to go and um, go and watch some British wrestling. It's really good at the moment. <laughs>
0: Here it comes again, lunch.